Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. And welcome back to some sort of the Cooler Jets podcast. Here's Ben Blessington and Michael Nania. Apologies getting this podcast out a little late, recording this late Friday night, but a massive game this Sunday. Two one and three teams facing off. And Michael, one and four sounds a hell of a lot different than two and three. And so I know it's week five. I know it's early in the season, and we act like every game is the biggest game of the season, but this feels like a must win. Is it possible to have a must win game in, in week five? I mean, I think it's as close as you can get in week five. I always hesitate to call a game a must win this early because, you know, look, the Jets lose. They go out and beat Philly the next week. Now you're two and four. You beat the Giants three and four. You're right back in it. So not a must win, but being realistic, if you lose four in a row, fall to one and four, you can't beat the Broncos and their 32nd ranked defense. It's hard to see it going in a positive direction. So. It's as close as it can get. Yeah, you mentioned the 32nd-ranked defense. Miami hung 70 on him last week. Justin Fields didn't have a first-half incompletion. I actually, I don't think Tua had a first-half incompletion either. So this defense is really struggling. We were checking out their depth chart, watching a little Broncos film before this one, and, man, that front seven is soft. I don't think – I mean, we DJ Jones we knew, but outside of that, we were looking at that front seven. I was like, I kind of recognize some of these names from the draft. But, geez, and then you go and turn on the film, and it's like they're getting blown off the, the ball. This defense just – Looks terrible. And so it's a prime opportunity for Zach Wilson to build off of that performance that he had Sunday night and, you know, just keep growing that confidence and in himself and for this football team to to have confidence in him. And if, if he looks good again and he proves that Sunday night wasn't a fluke, this season has life. I mean, this season really looks a lot different, a tough September for the jets to go from Rogers blowing Achilles and then dropping three straight. But if they get the win, Zach Wilson looks good for the second week in a row. And you can really start to feel like, okay, he's starting to, to build on something here. Like he's really starting to look like an NFL quarterback. You feel good about the Jets' chances down the stretch here. And there's next five games. They got Denver. Then they got Philly at home after this, which is a tough game. But, you know, I think the Jets have shown that they can they can hang with anybody. And Philly's also been in some close games at the last few weeks that they pulled out. So that's – I think it's a tough game. I think that's probably the toughest game on their schedule. I said that before the season. But definitely not impossible. But let's say that's a loss. So beat Denver. Lose to the Eagles. You're two and four at the bye. Coming out of the bye, you got the Giants, who look awful. You have the Chargers on Monday Night Football, who look beatable, very beatable. And then you got the Raiders. Five games right there. Four of them, I think the Jets can can win. On like, I mean, they can win all five of them. But four of them, I look at that and I say, 
This Jets team is is damn good enough to beat the Broncos, Giants, Raiders, and Chargers. And so this these next five games, at the very least, I think the Jets have to win three of them. And it starts the Sunday against a worse Denver team, terrible defense, allows Zach Wilson to keep building that confidence. And yeah, finally just have a yeah, I'd love a nice, comfortable blowout. How about you, Michael? I would love to have a Jets game. No stress, just hang 28 on them in the first quarter and let's sit back and, and monitor our fantasy teams. How about you? When was the last time we had a game like that? I'm definitely not last year. I mean, they had end of game 20, blowouts against the Dolphins and Bears, but they were down Raiders? to Chicago early in that game. So yeah, that that's even that one. Like, when did they separate in that game? I think it was still one score in the third quarter. Like talking about a game where it feels like it's over at halftime, and that second half you just take care of business. I don't even know. Probably not since. 2015, like Titans. We got to so be. It's been a while. Something. There's got to be something there. Knowing this Jets team, though, it's just it's going to be close. I just have a feeling it's going to be <laughs> mind-numbingly close. This this Broncos team, look, they're not good. This defense is bad, but Russell Wilson has shown improvement from last year. Like I do think he's had a bit of a bounce back year. Just watching him, they're they're always dangerous. You know, they have some talents on the offensive side of the football. It's just that defense is so bad, and you feel like okay. This Jets defense, just look what they did to the Chiefs. I know the Chiefs hung 17 on them early, but they've looked good against the Chiefs. They've looked good against the Bills. They can hold their own against the, this Broncos team. And then it's like, I think Zach Wilson, if they come out aggressive and they you know build on what they did last week, this should be a game that the Jets win. But for some reason, I just have a feeling it's, it's going to be close. I do ultimately think the Jets win this. We'll get into the predictions towards the end of the pod. I do want to talk a little bit about the All-22 from last week. And also there's some other storylines from this game that aren't just Zach Wilson. Obviously you have Brees Hall, Salah saying he's not in a pitch count anymore. Although I feel like he said that last week, but the revenge game for Brees Hall to go back to Denver, the place that he, that he tore his ACL and Denver's front seven looks terrible. So I expect another, a big Brees Hall game. You also have DJ Reed out with the concussion under the radar, kind of a big deal because the the strength of this Broncos offense is definitely the receiver group. So you're going to get a healthy dose of Bryce Hall. I'd imagine we'll see, what tricks the Jets have up their sleeves. So we'll talk about all that stuff, and then we'll break down some of the uh, predictions and, and whatnot. But, Michael, let's first hop into the L22 from the Chiefs game. Uh, what did you make of Zach Wilson's performance? Because rewatching it, watching uh, JTL Sullivan's breakdown of, of Zach and this, this Jets offense where it goes super in-depth, I felt great about it. I really do. And I feel like that's the type of performance that you really can build confidence off of because, you know, that Titans game – his rookie year, okay, he made some great plays out of structure, Some got some deep ball bombs, great. I, I'm trying to think of some other games. I guess he had the Tampa, ga- Tampa game his rookie year as well. Was you know I guess he did some good NFL quarterbacking in there, some intermediate stuff, quick reads, stuff like that. But this Chiefs game I think was the first time that you really saw him look like an NFL quarterback, getting to the line, changing protections, you know, calling audibles, his footwork, his ball placement. Everything looked flawless up until the fumble. And even the fumble to me, like we talked about it in last week's podcast, look, it sucks. I'm, it's unfortunate he didn't get a chance to to close the game out. And it's like feels very much like that Tampa game is rookie year where he has a great game and then just kind of a brain dead play at the end and cost him. But I feel okay about that fumble because it's like, look, he took his eyes. He got excited about what he saw pre-snap. He took his eyes off the ball. He drops it. Didn't get another chance. It sucks. But I feel a lot better about that than him throwing a, you know, a pick to the linebacker or a strip sack fumble where he holds onto the ball too much. It's a dumb play. He's had plenty of worse plays, but that play doesn't sink the game for me. I think that Chiefs game is about as 
as good as it's gotten for, for Zach Wilson. It's not even particularly close. So what did you make from, from the all 22 of, of the chiefs game? Are you back in on Zach Wilson a week after saying you're never buying in on the optimism ever again, you got to watch that all 22. Are you back in? No, I'm not back in. But with that <laughs> being said, I could still say it was a great game. I think it's just important to remember that, you know, like you said, you just got to stack these games, especially, you know, to follow up that Chiefs game with now you face most likely the worst defense in the league. You have to be able to chain these good performances because he's had good games before. Not this good. I do think this was his best game. But, you know, he had the Tennessee game. Then he goes out against Atlanta and as one of his worst games. Um, last year, he had that Buffalo game, which was pretty solid. They won that game. He was really efficient, led the offense really well. Then he has the New England game the next week where he gets uh, – Yeah. Two weeks. Next week the after the bye week, and he gets benched. So he hasn't had that consistency in his career. But with that being said, still I think this – was his best game and you know to come one week after a new england performance that was i think is right up there with some some of his worst games not his worst but close um is you know just a testament to the inconsistency that he's that he's had but you know re-watching the film this game i think it confirmed all the stuff that we thought when we were watching it like just the quickness of his decision making the confidence of the decisions he was making and, you know, to see the different angles of it and appreciate the ball placement of some of his throws was really impressive to watch. It, it truly felt like we were watching BYU Zach Wilson for the first time in the league, aside from a play here or there throughout his first couple seasons. This this was the first time you got a whole game where you were like, OK, that's the guy we watched after you missed out on Trevor Lawrence. And we fell out in love with this guy and said, you know what, we're still getting a, a damn good prospect with the second pick. This is that guy we watched who made us believe that the guy who was, you know, making throws off platform, flicking 50 yard throws right off the off his wrist. So his guys can make plays like that throw to Alan Lazard. Like that's a really good example of what BYU Zach Which one? was because uh, the the deep the deep bomb I'm talking about, like the, right. the jump ball he caught in the first half because it wasn't his best like, throw but... in, in a vacuum. Not the best throw. It really isn't. It wasn't perfectly accurate. Could have been picked, could have been deflected. Lazard went and won the jump ball, but that's what he was doing at BYU. He trusted his guys to make plays because he had guys who had that advantage. So now you have a guy now in Lazard who has a size advantage. Use that arm strength of yours. Give him a chance to go make a play. If he gets picked on a 50-yard bomb, all right, that's not the worst pick in the world. Uh, Those are the types of plays, the type of risks you want to see him taking. And he hasn't taken him that often in his career, not nearly as often as he did in college. But, you know, when he has the confidence to let it rip, good things can happen. And again, that wasn't the greatest throw itself. He had a lot of throws in this game that were a lot more precise than that one. But I think that one stands out as just how his mentality was different in this game, to be confident, to to let those physical tools shine in this performance. So really liked everything he showed in this game. And it's the perfect example of, what his ceiling can look like. Yeah. The, the best play, I mean, it's definitely that drive coming out of half that every throw on that drive, but the best play to me is when he checks in Conklin, make it a six man protection. Cause he sees six guys at the line of scrimmage and then throws that slot fade to, to Rucker and just perfect ball placement. And that was an audible. He changed the protection. I mean, that was NFL quarterback. And that looked like Aaron Rodgers from everything pre-snap through the throw. Um, and he had a number of those plays. I mean, the touchdown to Lazard too. I mean, I think he could have gone to, I think it was Conklin over the middle or something, but 
you know, he, he knew that if he's going to get that to Lazard, he's got to fire it in there and he's got to put it on the right shoulder. And he did that. And I think that's the thing that was kind of holding me back from feeling any sort of optimism last year when you're trying to defend him. Cause you're like, all right, look, he's still young. This team is, is winning games now. And so now you kind of feel like he's holding him back, but you have to keep in mind, like he didn't get his full rookie year. He missed a second half of training camp in the first three weeks of the season, like let him settle into the year, but then he's dirting swing passes. He's throwing, you know, slants five yards behind his guy. He's can't hit a go route. I mean, his accuracy is all over the place. His ball placement, he's bailing on the pocket. And he just looked like a high school quarterback. So forget all the mental stuff, forget all the confidence, the physical stuff, the arm talent that we were all talking about was non-existent last year. And then the, through the, through the first three weeks, and especially that Patriots game, which I know we, we, we talked about wasn't great quarterback play, but the thing that stood out to me was like, okay, his ball placement's actually been very good all season. I mean, the chiefs game was the best example of it, but Bill's game, well, Bill's game, I guess he had the, the touchdown of Garrett Wilson was a perfect ball placement. But for the most part, compared to last year, Cowboys game, Patriots game, especially this Chiefs game, you've seen good accuracy. You've seen more decisive, decisiveness going back to the preseason as well. You know, that internal clock is clearly sped up to the point where he's going through his drop, his back foot hits. He's looking at one, he's looking at two, and then he's checking it down or scrambling. He's not bailing from the pocket as much. He did a little bit against the Patriots, but again, when he is bailing, he's either throwing the ball away or, you know, he's not, he hasn't launched it into triple coverage a few times. And so now the, the challenge for Zach is, okay, you played with confidence because against the, the Pets, you know, I, I don't think he looked entirely different from a accuracy, ball placement, arm strength type of standpoint. He looked different because he was confident. He was firing it in there. He was trusting one-on-ones. He was trusting tight windows. He didn't want to make the mistake against the Patriots. And so he would, he was holding it down and throwing it away and bailing on pockets and whatever. He didn't want to make the mistake. There was a shift in mentality and it worked out for him. And he didn't throw any interceptions and the Jets very easily could have won that game. And so now you're into this Denver game and the fear is, okay, either he reverts back to the Zach Wilson he was, which I don't think is going to happen. The fear is, is that, okay, you're going to get confident Zach Wilson. What happens when he throws that interception? What happens when he throws two interceptions? How do the Jets handle it and how does he handle it? That's the next thing you, you have to see. Because it's all easy for us to say going into the New England game. I mean, you called it. I have to give you props. You were saying how they have to throw in first down, whatever. But I was like, hey, it's going to be a monsoon. He's turned the ball over a ton. This defense can win the game. Run the football. And that's clearly what the Jets and Hackett wanted to do. And he took care of the ball. And he tried to manage the game. It wasn't great. But he didn't turn the ball over. And now it's like we've cut him loose. Let him throw. Air it out. Play confidently. What do you do when he starts throwing interceptions? So how do you kind of manage that if, if you're Hackett, Michael, in terms of you want to cut him loose, you want to play aggressive, but you don't want him to to throw the game away when you have this type of defense. You got to live with it. You got to live with whatever comes with that mentality because I think we've seen when they try to play keep away with him that, you know, even if sometimes he does keep the interceptions down because, I mean, for the most part, interceptions in his career haven't been a huge issue really. I mean, even this season, the three interceptions he threw against Dallas were all in garbage time. Outside of that, he has won. So he hasn't been that terrible in that category. But you look at the New England game, and he's playing safe, playing keep away. And he's had some meltdown games. Okay? So. He, had, he has had a few, but like it hasn't been a consistent game to game. And like there, there have been plenty of games where he had zero picks, like that New England game two weeks ago, where like okay, you didn't turn the ball over, but you also didn't move it at all, especially last year's New England game even though he he should have had one that was really easily dropped. But 
you know, he's had plenty of zero interception games where the offense did absolutely nothing. So I don't, I don't think you want that either. I think you could live with one pick, even two potentially um, if he's confident and moving the ball the way he was against Kansas city. So uh, I think you got to live with it. If you're hacking, you can't play safe. You can't say we got this defense. We got to fall back on. We got this run game because none of that's going to matter if your offense is completely stagnant. So um, confident Zach is, that's what we've seen. He's at his best when he's confident. You look at the Pittsburgh fourth quarter last year um, when there's nothing to lose. It's time to just sling it and go make throws. Kansas City game last week, get down 17 nothing, go sling right. it. Those are the moments when he's at his best. And it means you have to accept greater risk of interceptions, but that's just part of it. Um, I think he's that Brett Favre kind of quarterback. I think at his best, that's that's who he's going to be. Turnovers might be up a little bit, but uh, if that comes at the cost of, you know, if that's the price you have to pay to get the Zach Wilson you got last week, then you you deal with that. We're playing Jameis Winston ball, 30 touchdowns, 30 picks. I I don't don't know if he's Jameis Winston. (laughs) I don't think so either. Level. Because, like, even like, like we said, like, even right now, he's not quite a Jameis Winston. No, that's, that's the thing is like, there's the misconception because he's had a few meltdowns. I mean, I think like half of his career interceptions have come against the Patriots. And the reason I ask that question is because I think the, the best game to illustrate what we're talking about is last year, his first game against the Pats, first half up until his last throw of the first half, looked great, confident, airing it out, hit a deep ball to, to Garrett, had a nice touchdown strike to Conklin. I remember sitting in the stands in that game and feeling like, all right, Zach Wilson, this is the best game of his career. And then he threw a pick, like a, just a bad over, just missed it over the middle to the running back and picked off by a linebacker. And then he melted down. Like he proceeded to have two other interceptions that were just unforced errors when he's rolling out. Uh, and then at the end of the game, he got going again. Like you said, there was no pressure again. They were just letting him, letting him loose. And so I am curious to see what happens when he throws that pick. How do the Jets kind of handle it in terms of their play calling and how does he handle it? Because it's going to happen. It might happen on Sunday. But I agree with you. I think, I think the Jets recognize that they, in order to win games, they just have to be aggressive and they have to trust their defense that, okay, if he does throw, you know, you're going to take him – throwing two touchdowns and two interceptions every game because those two touchdowns guaranteed 14 points, assuming Greg the leg comes through. It's guaranteed 14 points. Those two interceptions, I think you look at this defense and say, it's possible that's zero points. It's possible that's three points, six points, 10 points, but two, two, you know, two interceptions putting this Jets defense back on the field, that's not a guaranteed 14 points with the, the unit that you have, a unit that can create their own turnovers, get big, big plays. I think you trust that this defense can force punts, hold them to three, or create a turnover. So I agree. You have to live with some of the mistakes. You want Zach Wilson playing confidently. And if he does play confidently and works through some of those mistakes, i.e. rookie or Peyton Manning, I'm not saying he's on that trajectory at all, but Peyton made a lot of mistakes, but he was aggressive. Like it's kind of the same thing with Darnold when he was younger in his career where he threw more interceptions than Zach, but he tried those tighter windows. And I feel like you you started to see his confidence as an NFL quarterback grow. It's not like he's done anything with it but Zach it was the opposite where it's like he looked so much not like an NFL quarterback and partly because he was terrified to make a mistake I mean this is a guy who got booed at his home debut deservedly so I think he threw three interceptions in his first 10 passes and from that moment on you saw him timid and afraid to try windows and afraid to make that mistake got to turn the page this is a new new era for Zach Wilson and it starts this Sunday so uh, I guess we'll we'll hop into this this preview. Actually, is there anything else in the L twenty two? We always focus on the quarterback, but new O line, Hackett offense, defense. Is there anything else that that jumped out to you? 
Uh, I mean, offensively, the new O-line, I think, is looking pretty solid. This game was maybe a little step back from the Patriots game, but, I mean, pass protection's been pretty good for the most part. Run blocking, they still were dealing with some loaded boxes in this game. But um, uh, you mentioned this to me. It, it always feels like they're one block away. Like, it'll be mostly well-blocked. One guy blows one. But I think that's kind of exacerbated by the fact that one of the running backs they're using is completely unable to break a tackle. <laughs> when Breeze Hall is out there, he can make the one guy miss. And, you know, if the majority of the play is well-blocked, he just needs to beat one guy, he can do it. But Dalvin Cook is just embarrassing right now. But new, new offensive line, I, I, I really like the way things are trending with that unit. Um, and then defensively, I think the cornerback play has been great this season, just like it was last year. Uh, the linebackers, I think, have been – very solid to start off but the issue i have right now is with the pass rush and, and the jets did to their credit make some good pass rush changes in, in this game they benched out woods he was inactive and we'll see going forward if they maintain that against different teams but uh they did that bryce huff finally played some early down snaps so he played the most pass snaps uh the highest percentage of pass game snaps in any game over the past two seasons he played over half of them because they let him play some first and second down and he delivered with his most pressures in a game in his career with seven. So he played more snaps, handled the high value, high, high volume. So, so they did make some good changes, but at the same time, they are, they've some guys who are underperforming right now, specifically Jermaine Johnson. He's playing a lot of pass rush snaps and he's one of the worst edge rushers in, in the league this year in terms of pass rushing run defense. Great. But in terms of pressures, just winning as a pass rusher, very, very rare that he wins. And he plays a lot of snaps, so it's really costing the pass rush. And that's a, an underrated issue with the not just the defense, the whole team right now, because the pass rush is supposed to be the heart and soul of this team. So if the edge rusher who's leading your team in pass rush snaps is almost never winning, it's going to hurt a lot. Because last year in that, in that role, they had Carl Lawson, who had a very solid season last year. And uh, now he's replaced with Jermaine, who's playing at a much lower level than Lawson was last year. So, so that's the biggest downgrade for the pass rush. Um, and speaking of Lawson, he's still playing in that small role, and he's had a really rough season. He also never wins. He doesn't look healthy. So um, there, there are some issues with the Will pass McDonald rush time. that need to get cleaned up. And and McDonald too, like he deserves more reps. But I'll also say, like I've been looking at his snaps, trying to see like that one play I could clip and put out there and say, this is why he needs more snaps, but he, he's, he's kind of off to a rough I start. I felt like too. he drew he that. Do you see, you know, the play I'm talking about where I felt like he drew the whole. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was that one play. He said a couple like that, but um, he's kind of struggling a little bit to get his moves going. I know he yeah. had the, the spin going in the preseason, but uh, like you can see the speed and explosion, but he's getting caught up a lot. Um, sometimes he'll speed rush and he'll just get sent past the quarterback and get buried. I just feel um, like he needs he, reps. But he needs those reps. You're right. Look, because right now, Lawson, that ship feels like it's kind of sailed at this point. And, and then Jermaine, and, and again, to their credit, they did take a snap count down in this game. But uh, still playing a lot of reps, probably more than he deserves at this point. So with more reps, McDonald could put it all together. He's got a lot more to offer than I think JJ and Lawson are giving you. How do you think they handled DJ Reed's injury this Sunday, being out? You think it's straight to Bryce Hall? Do you think they go more, more man coverage, leave Sauce on an island, play MC2 outside? 
JBC might be active. I yeah, mean, what do you probably mean? probably Bryce Hall time? I mean, seems like that he's been playing some snaps in relief, like when they have more DBs out there. They used him on last week. It ends last week. Hey, yeah, he's kind of like do the, you remember we called that? Player. Yeah, that's a random. Yeah, one. that's a random one. We said. I mean, I guess we were talking about it more in terms of like, well, the top level tight ends like Travis Kelsey, you can put sauce on. But when they face those like mid level guys, we were we were talking about how we were worried who who do they have that can match up with tight ends, and we we're like maybe they put Bryce Hall out there. So Joe Blewett episode, but you're right, they did do that. He got, I think he got burned by Tony on one play. I'm trying to, remember. I only really watched. Yeah, I don't. I there were a couple of plays where I think he got beat, so it didn't go too great. Yeah. But um, I didn't focus on. Bryce I think Hall it's Bryce all time. Yeah, I mean maybe you get some packages where, like say, twelve personnel's on the field, two receivers. Maybe it's Carter and Sauce. Uh, maybe some packages like that. Maybe some more three safeties, which they've done a decent bit this year. Instead, yeah, of Tony Adams using be the base defense uh, with Quan leaving. Sherwood has played a lot less in that role than Quan was playing, and instead they've been doing more of that three safety. So maybe get even more of that in this game. Yeah, they could. Uh, that's Broncos, a good interesting do, point. They, they do use a decent amount of like uh, two tight ends, two backs, get a full back well, in there. The Broncos do a decent amount of it, so maybe that's, see some even more three safety. Yeah, I think three safety. That's a great point you raised. I mean, I do think we're going to get a good bit of Bryce Hall, but if they do go twelve, they can they can go with Carter and Sauce as their two corners, and then if they want to go nickel. Okay, you could bring Bryce in, but you could also put Tony Adams in the slot, who's had plenty of work there in dime packages. I mean, maybe that's a little too galaxy brain. Maybe it's just easier to keep everybody where they're at and just slide Bryce Hall right in. But you've had Amos and Whitehead playing next to each other the last two weeks. It does feel like that's something you could do. Um, they get Am- they get uh, Tony Adams back, which I think is big because there's been some miscommunication touchdowns the last two weeks, and I don't know if Amos has much to do with it or if that's just Whitehead and – Maybe they would happen regardless, but the Jets have had far too many miscommunications and far too many missed tackles for a defense that other, otherwise has looked great against two of the best offenses in the NFL, has forced turnovers and gotten sacks in those two games, had two other games that were a little underwhelming, but at the end of the day, low points allowed against the Patriots and low second half points allowed against the Cowboys. So what do you kind of make of this defense four weeks in some of their issues? I mean, obviously you talked about the pass rush, but in terms of miscommunications in the secondary, missed tackles. Is that anything that's concerning, or is that just kind of September football stuff? Uh, I think the blown coverages are concerning because I I think that's something they did really well last year. Like, we didn't see a lot of blown coverages from them last season. That was a a huge part, outside of some joiner. But for the most part, I mean, even he didn't really have that many busts throughout the course of the season. That's why the Jets were so good in terms of you know, being near the top of the fewest big plays allowed through the air, they communicated pretty well. So this year it has been frustrating to see, you know, back-to-back weeks now, you give up a deep bomb touchdown to a blocking tight end who both of them haven't scored at all otherwise this year. And it was the longest catch of both of their career for both of them. So it's, you shouldn't be allowing deep touchdowns to guys like that. And, and that's a big part of why they're starting game slowly. You just take out those two deep touchdowns to guys who shouldn't be scoring them. And all of a sudden these last two first halves, they look a lot different. So um, yeah, that that's concerning because it's been happening pretty consistently. Um, so something they got to clean up for sure. What are some of the other changes you'd like to, to, to see them make? I mean, obviously they benched out woods. I do think he'll be back depending on the matchup because they, they could use him against the run. They upped Bryce Huff. 
they did a lot of the things on offense that we were talking about in terms of they got Gibson some snaps, they played Ruckert. Um, what are some of the other things, or could they go further with those things that, that you'd like to, to see them uh, do in week five? I mean, this week in particular, it, it's going to be interesting because like with all the negative talk about the Broncos, their offense has improved over last year. Russell Wilson is playing much better with Sean Payton there now. Um, and, you know, similar type of quarterback, obviously not to the you know, level they're playing at right now, not to the same as Kansas City Chiefs, but, you know, another mobile quarterback and the Jets have struggled with quarterback scrambles this year. That's another thing they can improve on. So I'm curious to see, like, how do they balance that, uh, balance the scales with aggression with a pass rush, but also trying to contain the quarterback because they've really struggled with not just the scrambles, but also just improvised plays. And, you know, being able to let those type of quarterbacks make plays on them, whether it was Josh, and obviously they did a great job in Allen overall, but, you know, there were some plays where he got loose. Um, and then you look at last week against Kansas City, that's definitely an issue as well. So, yeah, and even even Mac Jones was getting some scrambles on them. So I'm, that's the biggest thing I'm going to be looking at this week. How do they balance that between, like, we want to get after the quarterback and we want to be aggressive, but we also got to keep the quarterback in the pocket and not allow these scrambles and improvised plays. So in terms of doing that, it's just a mentality thing. Like I, I think they, they are trending in the right direction with some of the personnel changes with playing Huff more, um, less Al Woods, Jermaine snaps were down last week, but uh, I, I keep pushing Will McDonald up. But other than that, I think it's just better communication on the back end, getting those coverage busts out of there, more consistent tackling across the board and just fight out winning more reps in the pass rush. And then, uh, like I said, how do you balance that with discipline to contain the quarterback? Yeah. And then I think offensively, what do you think they should do with Miko Hardman? McCall, I keep calling him Miko. Uh, because it seems like he got, he's kind of taken a backseat to Gibson because I think they feel like if they're going to give one of the speedy guys design touches, they feel like Gibson might have a little bit more juice and can make guys miss more than McCall. But I think McCall, in the offseason was their guy for that. Obviously, Rogers getting injured changed everything. But we've seen McColl used outside and less less so in the slot. What do you kind of make of that? And do you think, you know, maybe he's a guy that if Garrett were to go down, he'll have a big impact. If Lazar were to go down, he'd have a bigger impact. But is there room for him the way that they're calling this offense with, with Cobb and Gibson stealing some reps? I mean, I still think there's room for Hardman to get more snaps because they, they did take Cobb down a lot in this game. He was at – 39% against the Chiefs. Um, that allowed Gibson to get 19%, which was obviously his highest of the season. Um, but more. they do a Give lot of more. multi. He, he deserves more as well. I mean, really anything Cobb's getting right now kind of feels like too much. I mean, he had one good catch in this game. Yeah, he made the play for the first down. He had last week. The season. So, drew the P.I. I mean, there, there's a presence. role for Cobb in the offense, but well, they like Cobb you know. for those clear out routes because it, I mean, you notice that it really is one, two check down or scramble, and it's one Garrett Wilson, two Lazard for the most part. And a lot of times, Cobb or the tight ends, less so last week, are clearing defenders out of areas. I mean, he's just running a go ball to get somebody out of the seam, or you know what I mean? Like just to take the corner with him. He's there to block. Like they're not really throwing to Cobb, he's just kind of doing all the dirty work, right? Which is why I think. Hardman in the same role is more valuable. And you even saw it on some of the plays he had against KC because there were a couple of plays where he did a, a vertical clear out and 
just because of the threat of his speed, the Chiefs gave him a different look, which, you know, the Chiefs know him well, um, gave him a different look, and the Jets were able to complete a pass underneath him. And if Cobb were in the same position, you don't know for sure if the same thing would happen because he would probably be played differently by the defense than when you see McCole Hardman out there. So uh, there is a room for him to get more snaps, but at the same time, I think you like Gibson, the way that he's played, you want to get him the football. And, you know, there are a lot of guys here, so definitely there's room for more snaps. But at the same time, I don't think we're going to see him playing a huge role anytime soon. All right. Well, Broncos defense, pretty bad. Pretty bad. The one thing that stands out to me about the K- about KC in this game is they played a lot of man coverage. And I've said this on the podcast before, but I always feel like man coverage puts a lot more pressure on your receivers to get open and then your quarterback to just make those throws in terms of ball placement, accuracy, throw power. And we saw that. The Jets have a guy who can, like in Garrett Wilson, who can beat man pretty much every in every situation. And Zach Wilson was delivering the throws. Now you face a team that plays a lot more zone coverage, and I think the pressure goes a lot on your quarterback to be able to read the defense, recognize what he's seeing, and know where to go with the football. And then on your receivers, you know, find the soft spots in the zone, sit down in routes, uh, et cetera. And the Chiefs, not like they played entirely man. And we've seen Zach Wilson have some good moments to get zone as well. But I feel like a lot of his best throws came in man coverage, he trusted his receivers, and he made a great throw. And against Denver, what I suspect is you're going to see is I think they're going to throw – you were telling me they play a lot of cover six – I think you're going to see a lot of exotic coverages, some zone blitzes. I think you're going to just see a lot of zone in this matchup. We'll see. I mean, every team plays man. They do have Patrick Sertain, who they they might trust to man up on, on Garrett. But what do you kind of make? What do you think the Broncos, after watching what Zach Wilson did on Sunday Night Football, you know that they're going to say, okay, maybe he can be cover one. Maybe he's finally, he's finally proven he can beat when a team stacks the box and doesn't allow you to run. They play man coverage and say, go beat us, quarterback. Zach has proved he can do that. Maybe we'll get still get a little bit of it because he's only done it one week. But I suspect they're going to come back with, with something else. So what do you what do you think Denver does uh, to try to v- attack Zach Wilson and some of the weaknesses that he might still have? I mean, I feel like they're just going to stay in line with what teams have generally done against him because I I know he had a great game last week where he punished teams for playing aggressive a little bit, but. It was, it was just one game, so I don't think it was enough for me as an opposing defense to say, you know what, we're going to back off now. We respect this guy. I think I would rather say, all right, prove you can do it again, especially on the road in our house where you know you came in here last year and we pretty much shut you down. So I think we're going to see more of the same, and that's why it's going to be another great opportunity for Zach and Hackett to do what they did so well last week, which is you know first starting with Hackett, let him throw him first down, let him have those opportunities. And then Zach just ripping it confidently, taking some of those shots, you know, picking his matchups that he likes and throwing aggressive passes, giving his guys chances to make plays with great ball placement. So I, I, I do expect the Broncos to continue doing what pretty much every team has done against Zach Wilson since last year. And that's, you know, be aggressive loading the box and maybe play a little more man coverage than you usually do. So really, I, I that that's what I I would expect to see. Yeah, I don't think so. I know I disagree with you on that. I just think that they I think Zach has had Zach at least to me proved that if they play aggressively, they throw on first down, he can beat. I don't that think he proved defense. anything. That's the thing. It was that's a great right. game. I guess it's one week. I guess it's one week. You're right. I guess it's one week. To me though, he hasn't proven at all that he can. Think. That's fair, but I guess it's to me he hasn't proven at all that he can 
beat those complicated zone looks. I mean, even look at that New England game the week before. I mean, I feel like he was quick to get to the check. I mean, we've gone back and forth on that film, but if Denver starts throwing some some crazy looks, feels like he could be quick to get to the check down. Feels like you can force him out of the pocket, make a mistake. I don't know. I think he's – I'm confident enough in his ball placement right now. I mean, we'll see. that You're right. He hasn't proven anything. But I'm confident enough in his ball placement and in Garrett Wilson that the Jets can run a competent offense if they face that style of defense. But I guess you're right. Brees Hall still is – the guy to defend in this this offense. He's yet to have that that big breakout game. Do you think that this is the game that they get Brees Hall rolling, cut down Dalvin Cook's touches to one or preferably nothing, run the ball with Brees? Maybe they do face some lighter boxes at times if Zach Wilson does make him pay, or do you anticipate, again, this is another slower Brees Hall day? No, I, I do believe, solid that they're going to take Hall off the pitch count and give him the opportunities in this game because you know it, it does make sense that they wanted to take it slow maybe four games was about what they projected before the season like okay once it's week five then he'll be ready to go at full speed so it seems like this could be about where they had a set you know deadline for him to get back to full strength and he's played so well he's proven he deserves it and cook has played so poorly to the point where you're like okay he's you know let's just get give our best guy the football at this point so I, I think, yeah, I think they're going to do it. And last year when Hall was the number one guy, when he claimed that he's playing like high 60s in terms of the snap percentage, his last few games there, uh, I think he'll be right about there. And I do expect him to get carries. I do expect the Jets to try and run the ball. But in a similar way to last week where it's pass first, we're going to come out and we're going to throw the ball a lot. And I think they'll have success with that because – this is a really bad Broncos defense. Terrible pass rush. Secondary outside of Pat Sertan, who hasn't had a great start to the season himself, is also really bad, and especially on first down, especially in the first half. Both of those things they've been terrible at, starting games and defending on first down. So great opportunity for the Jets to continue doing what they did last week, which is throw on first down, especially with play action, and uh, sad, establish that respect early in the game and force the defense to back off, then you can run the football like they did when Brees Hall got that 43-yard run last week, which was on first down. I don't think that's happening if you try that same exact play in the first quarter. But you wait, you demand some respect, and if you look at that Brees Hall play again, the Jets had a lot of blockers in there. They had two tight ends, the receivers were tight, but the Chiefs only had seven defenders against that look inside the box because at the last second, the safety dropped out. The cornerbacks were pretty soft. The safeties were pretty soft. So the Jets had the numbers advantage and they got that big run. And that's a result of what Zach did early in the game. And they have a great chance to do that again this week. So I expect Brees Hall to get plenty of touches in this game, but I think it'll come later as the game goes on, especially if the Jets keep it close, which I think they will. They should have that opportunity to stay balanced for four quarters. Uh, and, and I think this is an especially good matchup for Brees because the, the biggest weakness with the Broncos run defense has been their outside run defense runs to the inside. They're okay. They have DJ Jones in there. He's a great nose tackle who we wanted last off season, but um, outside they've been terrible. They're giving up over eight yards per carry on runs outside the tackles worst in the league. And that is because their linebackers, corners and safeties Worst missed tackle rate in the league between those three positions, over 23%. So almost, almost a quarter of the time, 
they have a chance to miss a tackle. They're missing it on the second level. And Brees has done a great job of making those guys miss this year. You know, on all the big runs he's had, he's made a made a guy miss at the second level, and it's allowed him to break free. So now you put him against this defense with the number of tackles they miss and how poorly they defend the edge, it's a recipe for him to hit some home runs. So I think they're going to try to get, get him that ball on the edge and hit some home runs throughout this game. But like I said, especially later on, I think they're going to throw it early and often on first down, try to build that respect for the defense, back them off, and then wear them down later. Any key matchups you're keeping an eye on? I mean, you mentioned that front seven. We talked about how bad this pass rush is. So another good day for the offensive line. Zach should have some time to throw. Is there anybody? I mean, obviously that sauce or that, that Garrett certain matchup is pretty uh, pretty intriguing on paper, but is there anything else that you're, you're keeping an eye on? Well, you mentioned the offensive line. I think that's one I'm going to be looking at really closely because this is a chance to dominate. This is not a good Broncos front seven to say the least. So, you know, the they were the offensive line was up to two really tough challenges the last two weeks in their first two games as a new unit. I mean, New England speaks for itself with Judon, with the number of weapons they have and how unique they play with the complex packages they throw at you, the games, the stunts, complex defense to play in your first game as a unit, and they were up to it. Kansas City's defense has been elite this year. They have Chris Jones, who's one of the best out there. Um, and, and they played well in both those games. But now you go against the Broncos, a team that has, you know, you look at their pass rush numbers. They've only got eight sacks this year, two per game, which is towards the bottom of the league. Uh, pressures are down, hits, all that stuff. So you have a chance to really assert your dominance here as this new look Jets offensive line and show that this is a unit for the rest of the season. And this isn't just an improvement over what we had to start the year. This isn't just an okay unit. This is a chance to show that they can assert their dominance over the lesser defensive lines in the league and potentially be a really solid offensive line, that above average unit that we thought they could be coming into the year. Yeah, I think offensively, the other thing that I would keep an eye out for is the tight ends. Obviously, Cole Komet had a good game against this this defense last week, and I just don't think they have anybody who can match up with with I, Obviously, Conklin, Rucker getting more snaps. I mean, all three tight ends last week had good games. And you talked about it at the beginning of this podcast. We talked about it last week as well. Zach Wilson at BYU, he had those big receivers that he felt confident he could throw it up to and they could come down with it. He's obviously got Alan Lazard, who he seems to be developing some good chemistry with, and those three tight ends. And so I think Lazard and the three tight ends are the kind of the weapons that I'm keeping an eye on. Obviously, it's the Garrett Wilson show, but they do have certain. He's had a bit of a down year, but he's still good. Um, I, I would key in on those tight ends, so I feel like that's a – a good matchup for the Jets. Defensively, though, uh, this is, like you said, a better Broncos offense than they were last year. Wilson's had a bit of a bounce back year, but still a terrific Jets defense, even without TJ Reed. So when you look at this Broncos offense, I mean, what stands out to you? Obviously, some good receivers. Um, Super Bowl winning quarterback. Javante Williams should be back in this game. So what do you kind of feel is the key to, to beating the Broncos in this one. Should they man up more? I know we talked about it a little bit without DJ, but you, you go man, more man coverage, just leave sauce on an island. Do you stick with this quarters coverage that the Jets usually run? What do you kind of anticipate on that side of the ball? I think we'll see more of the same from the Jets because especially with um, DJ Reed being out of there, I think it makes it harder to, you know, maybe be experimental with that type of thing if you wanted to. And for the most part, I think, the Jets 
base usage of their cornerbacks has worked pretty well, just you know, keeping them on their side. I know people want to see Sauce travel and all that, but part of what the Jets' corners have done so well, especially with Carter the second being in that slot position, is just communicating, passing things off. And I know they've had some coverage busts this year, but that's mostly been like safeties and linebackers. But the corners, they're doing their jobs really well this year. I think they've been just as good as they were last year. You know, shaky Bills game maybe, but for the most part, it's been really good between the corners. Um, so I think they're going to stick with what they do, and hopefully Bryce Hall can step up and have a good game. I think. Yeah. How do you, how do you feel about Hall? Go. Yeah, I mean, as far as backups go, like I don't, I. I don't think you can do much better than him. Like who has a better backup cornerback than that? Who, you know, in his rookie year played and was one of the league leaders in pass deflections. And I think all of us thought he's like an average, average starting cornerback as a not rookie second year player, but first year as a starter. Um, Yeah. He's got the length. He's got the size. His coverage is usually tight. He's not good at playing the ball. We know that, but (laughs) He's usually there, and for a backup corner, that's the most you can hope for. We've watched so many bad backup corners with the Jets. Uh, Richard Robinson comes to mind. Jeez. Um, I mean, Pierre Desir wasn't a backup. He was actually starting for the yeah, Jets. Let's see. How many, how many guys, random Jets corners can you we name? just get Go. roasted. You know? Let's see. Uh, Darren Walls. Uh, Philip Adams. F- there's one. <laughs> the only guy who of- wore Revis's number in between <laughs> his stints. A lot um, of randos in there. Oh, come the on. We, we got more. Come on. Buster Screen. Marcus Brian Williams. Poole. Brian Poole. Those, those are kind we, of we, obvious guys. We used to let's think it was deep. really good. Let's dig deeper. Like 2020. Our, oh, uh, I got, who's that guy in 2020? It was like, I guessed him. You showed me a video a couple weeks ago. Oh, oh, they ago traded for him. They traded for him. Uh, and, he, and he started week two. Against the, the Browns. Damn, why am I he, forgetting this guy? What's that guy's name? The Colts? Ah, frick, what is that guy's name? I gotta look it up. I'm gonna cheat. All right, you I, we just talked now. about him. I'll, I'll find it. I'll find we it. We just talked right. about this. Oh, you, I got you, one. Isaiah Dunn in 2021. Remember, he had that one great play against the Titans? Vaguely. All right, All right who's that guy from 2020? Did you 2019 roster? I'm. St- oh, I got it. All right. Nate, Nate Harrison. Nate Harrison. Daryl Robertson here as well. Jeez. Daryl Roberts. All right. So a lot of Ky- Kyron Brown. <laughs> Maurice Bottom Can- lines, I think Bryce Hall. Yeah, I, I think Bryce Hall is better than all those guys is the Bless point Austin. we're making. So we'll see if he's up go. to it. Um, maybe not the best matchup for him because I think the Broncos are a vertical team. They got a lot of speed, good route running. Uh, yeah, I feel like he matches up over our right Russell with Russell Wilson likes to throw vertical. Uh, well, yeah, I feel like he matches I think up Sutton right would be a good matchup for him. If you get them on bigger there. receivers, but so, Mims um, and Judy are a little more shifty, and we've seen right. So those speedsters guys. could be like DJ Reed against those types. And actually, Reed was up for the task against Sutton last year, to his credit, which you would think is a mismatch because of the size. But uh, like Reed against these type of guys, you're like, okay, he's perfect. He's he's got the speed and fluidity, fluidity to stick with them. All maybe not, but but we'll see. I think I'm. As far as backups go, pretty confident, but we'll see what happens. You know they're going to go after his side. I don't know how much you, you've you keyed in on Tony Adams for the first. Did he play? He played against Dallas too, right? He got injured in that game. Yeah. Um, it's a small sample size, but we got a game and a half of Tony Adams, and then two games of Amos. Uh, what do you kind of make of the return of Adams and the impact it could have on the defense? Or is it too early to really tell? 
if it's an upgrade or not. I feel like it is too early to tell because I don't think he got off to the strongest start. It's not to say he was terrible, but not quite as good as he looked at the end of last year when he was playing safety. There, there were some missed tackles in there, uh, a couple of plays in coverage uh, where he got beat. So it, it wasn't amazing, but it wasn't terrible. And remember, this is a guy who was undrafted last year, second-year player, basically his third and fourth starts at safety in his career. So, you know, he's as raw as it gets. And the fact that he's even in this position tells you that he's shown a lot in practice, like a lot to be able to earn this role with, you know, coming from the position that he's coming from as a UDFA who barely played as a rookie. You got to be really impressive to do that. So I, I think you trust that he's going to develop it with time. Um, I don't think Adrian Amos has been great. He's been involved in quite a few coverage busts. Um, had some missed tackles in there. I haven't been super impressed with him. He has, he's looked like the backup that the Jets sign him as. But, you know, with that being said, uh, he's had some good hits in there as well. And I think as similar to Bryce Hall, I think as far as backups go, you're okay with him in that role. But uh, I think Adams is more likely to be an upgrade than a downgrade coming back. All right, last thing. Anybody on this this D-line, O-line matchup, is there one that you're circling? There's usually one that you kind of see on this opposing offensive line where you're like, mm, this guy kind of sucks. Who can we exploit? Obviously, Jets edge rushers haven't been that good, but we should get a little bit more Bryce Huff. Maybe we'll get a little bit more Will McDonald. We'll see if Al Woods plays or not. But what is what is the matchup on this Jets D-line versus Broncos O-line you're, you're paying attention? Uh, I think I'm looking at Quinn and Williams against – and this is going to be a pretty unique one, but I'm going to say the center, Lloyd Cushenberry. He's a guy who pretty much every year since he's coming to the league shows up at the top of some of those lists in terms of most pressures allowed and things like that. And he's actually been better this year. Um, so that makes it even even more interesting matchup because it's either going to be him being exploited a lot like he was the first two seasons of his career and Quinnen can dominate that, or if he keeps playing as well as he has this year, because he's actually only been hit with two pressures allowed this season. Then, you know, if you're trying to have Quinn Williams, that can change a lot. And, you know, Quinn does go against the center a lot. That's why I'm picking this one out. I mean, he had a sack against Mitch Morse in that Bills game last year that the Jets won. That's a pretty big play. So uh, it does happen, you know, with stunts, things like that. He'll match up with the center. Um, but Mike McGlinchey is another guy to look at coming over from the Niners, a guy who – we talked about potentially signing with the Jets, um, but him at right tackle, he's given up 13 pressures already. Ooh, that Bryce is near the time. top for tackles. Bryce Huff Six time. penalties. That's Bryce Huff time right there because uh, and, and they moved Huff around last week too, which is another thing I credit the Jets for. They put him on both sides of the line, didn't just put him on one side. They moved him around to get some matchups with Donovan Smith, who was perceived as, as the weaker tackle going into that game. So um, if you can get Huff against McGlinchey, there's some damage to be done there. You know, he's near the top in terms of penalties. He's third most penalties among tackles this season, and he's tied for the 10th most pressures allowed, um, seventh most among right tackles. So nice. he's definitely a guy you can beat and do some damage against. All right. I want to see a little bit more Bryce Huff with the uh, first team of D line. Let's get a little bit more Will McDonald in there as well. But that seems like an intriguing matchup. Let's get into some random predictions. Actually, we have a few things before that, but I have a good one just based off what you said. But before we get to that, Michael, 
who've done this every week, who's the Jets' X factor for week five. Just to be corny and just to remind you, last week you said Bryce Huff and I said Sauce Gardner. So we were both both on the money there for last week. Who is it for week five? Maybe we should keep these for each week. I keep deleting them, but whatever. So we, I feel like we've been pretty money on choosing Speaking these every week. The previous versions. Every, oh, that's yeah. true. every week we've ch- chosen somebody who's actually had a big impact. I mean, look, there's only so many guys who can have an impact, so maybe it's a fallacy. But let's hear it. Who's the X Factor for this week from you? I'm going to say Zach Wilson. Oh, come no. on. You can't go quarterback. Yeah, there you go. No, no quarterbacks. Um, you have one? I want to try it. I want to think of a good one. Anyone who comes to mind quickly. I was gonna say Bryce Huff, honestly, but you already used him. I don't want to use. I don't want to use him again. Bryce Hall, obvious, filling in for DJ Reed. Tony Adams coming back from injury. All right, I, I got a good. You want to hear a weird one? All right, you go ahead. You go ahead. I have a weird. I'm gonna one. say Garrett Wilson. This is his week to truly dominate and take over a game. Not not that he hasn't done his part to do that this season, because we see on film the plays are there, and you know he hasn't been hit. But um, I look at the Bears and I see the way they struggled to start the season. I see DJ Moore breaking out, and you know, you said he's kind of like the Garrett Wilson of fantasy football, and uh, you know, I see him finally getting well, his they're both. his production and his stats at at last because we know he's a great player, getting held back by the quarterback by the offense, but uh, now they're starting to figure out how to get him the ball, and make big plays. So against this thirty second ranked Denver defense, I want to see Garrett Wilson take over a game. You're going Wilson. I'm going to go Tyler Conklin. I think this is a big game okay. for the tight end. Nice. I think this is. I think that's. I think Denver's really going to key in. We on watched the Bears highlights against the Broncos. We saw a bunch <laughs> of tight end catches in the red zone. I watched the. So we knew the tight ends would be too. big. But I do think this is. I was tempted to put Rucker, but I think I think Conklin. He's still the number one tight end. I think he has a big game. I think we we disagree a little bit on how the the Broncos will play this game. I do think it's possible they come out. Heavy cover one, heavy man, load the box, stop breeze. But I think I think last week to me really is going to scare defensive coordinators off from doing it early so far. I mean, I know he hasn't proven anything, but I think you're more confident in a 32nd-ranked defense out-scheming Zach Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett than just going man-to-man, you know, our guys versus your guys. Because I think if you do that, Garrett Wilson's going to get open. Zach Wilson's going to find him. He's playing with confidence. I trust it. I think they're going to try to scheme him and go with those zone matchups. And if they do that, it's going to be – I think Tyler Conklin. I was I was tempted to put Lazard, but I think Conklin is kind of the guy who who finds the spot, the soft spot in the zone, who can be that check down, great blocker, who can do some of that clear out stuff, do the dirty work. So I think he's just a big player in terms of getting this offense going if they do face something different. Um, and I think he's developing chemistry with Zach. Although Lazard tempted to put Lazard, I think I think he's slowly becoming. I mean, nobody's going to pass Garrett in terms of favorite receiver, but I think he's developing that chemistry that he kind of had with Corey Davis last year in terms of like a guy that he really trusts and the Zard brings that jump ball ability as well. Uh, other thing before the predictions, where are the jets better? And Michael, this, this won't be a clean sweep because of quarterback, but I predict some domination here on the Jets side of the ball. Cause you compare these two rosters and I don't think it's particularly close, but we'll start off with quarterback and I will give it to the Broncos. Yeah. I think their Wilson is better, more expensive though. And you know, he's better running back. Javante Williams, healthy. Should be for this game. I still think I would rather take Brees Hall. Although Dalvin Cook is weighing down this running back room, I think I'd rather have who do they have? They have he is, but I guess if and... we look at this game and 
go with what the Jets are saying that we're going to get more Brees. That definitely makes the room better. And Javante Williams hasn't done much this year, so I would go Jets. All right, let's go Jets for running back. For receiver, I don't think there's a receiver in this game as talented as Garrett Wilson, but the Broncos do have a nice trio here with Judy Sutton and Mims. Is Marvin Mims Denzel Mims' cousin, or is he his brother, or is there no relation? I think he's his son. It's Mims Jr. Okay, get out of here. <laughs> Let's see. Marvin <laughs> Mims. Is this the Denzel Mims re- revenge game? Are they brothers? Yes. American revenge for the Mims family. Hey, his brother. Um, he's, he's Denzel Mims' brother. Cool. Yeah, well, there we go. All right, well, this, this, this is, is Denzel Mims' revenge game. Uh, Jets, Garrett, Lazard. I mean, Judy, at this point, it's fair to say Judy's been kind of disappointing in the league. He was a really he's a good player, highly thought of guy. I think the name out. is bigger than the production at this point. I mean, he has seven first downs. It really comes down to which year. receiver room would you rather have? If you're the Jets, you could trade this entire Jets receiver room for this entire Broncos receiver room. You don't do it. And it's only because of Garrett Wilson. And if you're the Broncos, just having Garrett Wilson puts puts him ahead, right? And I think the Broncos lose their chemistry with Zach Wilson, like you said, one game. But yes, um, tight end. Yeah, we've seen, we've seen the, the Bills game. They do a couple connections. That's it. <laughs> not really. Uh, tight end. I think this one's not close. They got Troutman. I don't know anybody else. Yeah. I guess Dolchich got hurt. But yeah, but this is versus Conklin record news on, but this is a clear Jets tight end win. Offensive tackle with Beckman and AVT, the Jets might be winning some of these tackle battles. Not gonna lie. Computer is frozen, so I'm gonna need you to take and over. McClinchy and uh the other tackle spot, Garrett Bowles. Who's pretty who's really good. Um McGlinchy hasn't played great this year, but AVT is really boosting that tackle spot for the Jets. Maybe a push here. All right. Um, interior offensive line. Who are you going with? My my computer is frozen, Michael, so I can't. We got Ben Powers, left guard, Lloyd Cushenberry, center, Quinn Miners at right guard. I mean, I like the way the Jets' interior has played the last couple games. Joe Tidman has been awesome. Um, I think Lakin's been more competent since things have Switched up McGovern. I'd I'd like to see more from, but hasn't been terrible. He's been below average. Um, it's so hard to say without like like I don't know how the Broncos interior line plays. <laughs> I can look at stats, but it's like all right, that's without fair. watching them, you don't really know. That's fair. Okay. By the way, did you say push for for tackle? Yeah, I mean, you said you push for tackle. tackle. Sorry, my my computer froze, and a but you said push for tackle over. You're taking. Bowles and McGlinchey over AVT and Beckton? Garrett Bowles is, is really good. I mean, he's shown that he's one of the top left tackles. Back and McGlinchey got a big contract. He hasn't started the season well, but. All right, fine. Well, you can go push there, but I, I would go Jets there. I think interior, it's close. Jets starting a rookie in Tipman, but uh, like you said, I don't know enough to. Let's go. Push it will here. be Tipman's first road game, so we'll see wow. how that goes. Really will affect him. Um, all right. Well, Jets Jets should clear every unit on defense. I don't think it's even worth going through it, but defensive line, Jets, mm, edge, Jets, <laughs> linebacker, Jets, corner, Jets. Although, no, yeah, it's still Jets and safety. 
They have Simmons. Safety's the only one. Yeah, safety's the only position I might think about because they have Simmons. But um, I don't know. The whole secondary's been so atrocious that it's hard to even say they deserve credit for that. Um, maybe just push there. I honestly think the Jet safeties have struggled recently. Like Whitehead's been involved in both of those blown coverages against the tight ends. He's missed a lot of tackles. He's kind of just been the same guy as last year. He's also the lead leaguer in interceptions. That's true. (laughs) Um, Ball hawk. I would say push here. All right, fine, push. Uh, Final random predictions. Let's hear it, Michael. I can't open the doc, so I'm going to need you to read out what we did last week. From what I remember, you had big Travis Kelsey play on the first drive. I was right. I was right about that. You were right. No, but then you said, and they would show Taylor Swift in the booth, which they did, but then – while they were showing Taylor, this is all off memory, by the way. I can't see this dog. Yes. Yeah. It was right uh, Bryce Huff forces a fumble and like Jermaine Johnson recovered or something. That was your prediction, yep, right? That's what it was. Like, wow. While showing Taylor Swift, they would miss the start of the play and they would cut back to it. And Bryce Huff would have a strip sack recovered well, by Jermaine half Johnson that, right? for a touchdown. You got half that, um, right? What was your other one? I also said full Zach Wilson game, which right, felt nice. somewhat bold at the time. <laughs> Hey, I said I thought Zach was going to have his best game as a pro. I also said two touchdowns for Zach. I don't know if we put that in You said some successful trick trick play. Oh, they were going to have a successful trick play? Well, they did go for it with the flea flicker. It was not successful, so I was wrong on that. And then DJ Reed interception, wrong on that. Okay, but on Twitter, though, I said two touchdowns for Zach Wilson, so come on. I'm going to say two touchdowns for Brees Hall. Two Brees Hall touchdowns. All right, let's see. Okay, I like that. Let's see our defense. Um, defensively, I think Sauce Gardner gets his first interception. I was going to say Zach Wilson 300-yard game, but I kind of feel like this is going to be a big Brees game as well. I like your two-touchdown prediction for Brees. I'll go two Alan Lazard touchdowns. Uh, you like that? All like right. Prediction I enough? Like that. All right. Two Alan Lazard touchdowns playing in fantasy, but I got DJ Moore, so I'm fine. Uh, and then defensively, I'm going to say the Jets. How many? What's their highest sack total? in a single game so far this year? Uh, I'm not sure about that. Well, I'm saying they're going to break Oh, Allen, they had five, right? They had five now? I say say they have six sacks on Sunday. You can write that down. Six sacks against the Broncos on Sunday. That's my random prediction. Michael will do the plugs, and then we'll we'll get out of here. Oh, score prediction. Sorry. Score prediction. Michael, are the Jets winning this game? And if so, by how much? Jets are going to win this game. And it's going to be by a score of 31 to 27. Okay, 31 27. I'll go 30 to 13. Okay, blow out. That completely contradicts what I said at the beginning of the pod about it being close, but I'll go 30 to 13. I like that. All right, none of these predictions matter. Uh, Follow us to UAJ Pod on Twitter, Michael, Michael underscore, or is it X? See what you put on X. Oh, I'm yawning. Michael <laughs> underscore Michael Nania. Wait, Michael at Michael underscore Nania. Myself, Ben W. Blessington. Go to jetsxfactor.com. We're almost on Michael. Uh, check out the other Jets X Factor pods. Subscribe to the Jets X Factor YouTube. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes if you can. I think that's it. Michael, last thoughts. Good uni matchup. Yeah, all white against all orange. Um, I kind of preferred white on black just because they were so successful in it last year, but. Well, they I did lose going two back big to players. Denver. 
Brees and AVT got hurt in that uniform. Didn't want the bad juju. So maybe maybe another game we can, next week. We've seen – have we seen every single Unica? Uh, almost. We've seen – we saw white no, on we green. we never saw black on green or black no, on no, white. No, no, no. Sorry, against Denver because they were all black in 2020 against them. Then in 2021, they were white on green. Last year, they were white on black. This year, they're wearing white on white. We're just missing a little green jersey game, and we have a bingo. Can't say that thought has crossed my mind. <laughs> I'm a pretty, I'm t- pretty good right, uniform right, psycho. All right, we're done. All right, we're done. You're tired. Um, thank you everybody for listening. Have a great week. And we'll be back on Sunday night, Monday morning, probably more accurately. But we'll record Sunday night and then upload it. It'll come out like midnight. But big game this Sunday. Hope the Jets pull through. Two and three sounds a lot better than one and four. Hopefully next time we talk, we're talking about a great Zach Wilson performance and a victory. So everybody have a great Saturday. Enjoy your weekend. Go Jets.